You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I'm thrilled to introduce you to Brett, who is the co-founder of The Peak. Uh, They're a media startup with the most read daily Canadian business newsletter with over 70,000 readers and a 50% open rate and the number one daily business news podcast in the country. Brett, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Darian. And I feel like I put so many caveats in that daily business Canadian, but whatever, it's still it's still true. <laughs> no, I I had a friend post recently. He he self published a, a children's book, and he published. He said, "I am the hottest release in children's in Canada, um, talking about giraffes." It literally, it's, yeah, it's like exactly. a subcategory. <laughs> and I was like, that is, I was like so proud of him. I was like, yes, yeah. you are the ultimate voice for children about drafts, at least for today. At least for today. The joke, the joke we make on the podcast is we say, you know, we're the number one and only Daily Canadian Business News podcast, which is true. That is awesome. <laughs> I am... Um, my my wife teased me because I I fell in love with this show uh, called God Friended Me and it was it was literally about a guy who uh, God friended him on Facebook and had him do all these cool. tasks throughout the day, but there was a side character who worked for a news publication, and so when he would show up at her news office, her dream always and 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 the goal was they had a big massive screen in the office and it was called the leaderboard, and it was a list of all the articles written like that week or over the course of last weeks and whose was the most read. And she always cool. wanted to get to that. Do you do you ever do anything with that with some of your you know writers, or do you do you have a board that you check or monitor? You know, it's a good question. I think there's actually been a shift away from that in media. And so, you know, if you look at the 2010s or so, there was this uh, mass of interest around scale. And so, you had publications like BuzzFeed, and you had you know Diply in Canada who were getting huge scale on social media platforms, and they were all measuring you know how much reach could I get from each individual article, and how can we optimize that and get more reach. And I think what ended up happening was that that scale no longer became possible because of a change in social algorithms. And so there's been a big pullback on that. Now it's a lot more targeted. And so I think for us, we just kind of look at how do we create quality content consistently and get that out. And that's what our readers will love. And so we don't try to optimize too much beyond that. And and when you look at focus, and this is what I find so fascinating, do you see yourself more as a newsletter or a news website? And and I assume not a print. You've, you, have, you haven't done like a fun print publication just for laughs and jokes or anything like that. No, yeah. And I think focus is so key when you're building a business like this, which is there's so many shiny objects out there and just focusing on a few things and doing them really well, I think is probably the most important thing you can do as a media operator. And so, you know, we started out with our newsletter. Uh, we had a website, we published on a website, but that was simply to have a web version. The newsletter was our primary product and we grew that to a point and then we thought, hey, let's do a podcast too. We're, we're hearing from our readers that they'd love an audio version. And so we did the podcast and then, you know, slowly but surely we're adding on more and more products, but only when we have the capacity to do each of them really well. So would you, uh, you know, to go the, the Dragon's Den route, um, would you say you're like a two-skew brand that them on podcasts and e-newsletter is your primary Yeah, focus? I'd say podcasts and newsletters and then increasingly events. So we're moving events, more okay. into the event space and that's super exciting and, and a great way to diversify the business and also kind of build our brand and our audience. But I would say that it would be newsletter, podcast, and events, and those are our primary focuses. And when you talk about events, do you, do you have one kind of out there at the moment that people can sign up for that's in person or are you doing some virtual stuff that's coming down the pipe? Yeah, so right now we're doing uh, very 
industry specific events. And so we've got one called Peak Rev coming up, which is where we do a series of webinars with sales leaders in Canada. And they talk about their experiences, hitting their quotas and the latest trends in sales and new tactics. And so it's a great way for people in that industry to learn. Down the road, we're going to do much more mainstream events. I'm I'm actually excited about one in particular. It's going to be in a debate format, uh, but we'll have more information on that soon. But events are becoming a, an increasingly important part of the business. I, I find it fascinating that you did not use the A word in either those awards. So you're not going that you're actually providing content and education, it sounds like. Yeah. And look, we do, uh, we have our annual emerging leaders list, which is where yes. we pick a number of different nominated uh, young leaders in Canada. And we just want to highlight them. And that for us is just a great opportunity to use our platform to raise awareness of just some some great Canadian entrepreneurs and business leaders. And so that's something that's really important to us. And we have a virtual gala around that. Someday I'd love to have an in-person gala when it makes sense. But that's been a, a really great product for ours and has really helped with the brand. But yeah, no, no awards yet. Uh, but I can't, I can't rule them out. But that's just not what we're, uh, what we're focused on at this point. That that list is awesome, by the way. I I I love it. I I went through it this year and went through because I just find like it, it's almost gives one hope, right? Like like look at these people who are doing innovative stuff. It's really cool and it's quite diverse. Like it isn't just the stock. Like you know, ninety percent are from Toronto. You know, it's people that everyone already knows. You know, it's kind of like it's like the cowbell. It's like oh, I've heard this before. It's it's tons of them I hadn't even heard of, which I thought was so neat. Well, that's the great thing is that we've got a truly national audience. And I think our audience reflects a lot of the diversity in the country. And so when they put forward names of people that they want to nominate, that is also reflected in the nominations as well. And so it was actually, I hate to say it, but it was pretty easy. I didn't have to go to my way to make it a diverse list. We got a bunch of great nominations from all types of people across the country and just organically picking the best people. It just came out the way it came out. So I want to I talk about the, the, the trends these days. So um, you look at like a Malcolm Gladwell. Right? A, a great Canadian uh, yeah. kind of you know, legend and, and author who is spending his time and energy not as an author anymore because he said, yeah, yeah I, you know, I've authored the books and, and that was, was great. But then he got onto what was called an enhanced audio book and then got really into podcasts or so revisionist history. And then he decided, hey, there's all these great reporters out there. They should have a podcast. Right. And so he's launching these podcasts in that podcast format. And he's we're watching the trend of reporters leave traditional news stations and newspapers to do podcasts. And, and, and why do you think that is? Why, what, what's happening here? You know, I think the future of media is going to be the relationship that you can build with your readers or your listeners or whoever is consuming that content. And the most organic relationship that you can have is with an individual. You know, I, I there's certain columnists, the New York Times that I read consistently and I don't read much of the rest of the New York Times, but I read them. And if they left the New York Times, I would probably follow them uh, to wherever they went, whether it be another publication or it's their own newsletter or podcast or whatever it is. And so that's a huge opportunity. M my take is that it doesn't just come down to individuals, though. I think what's really important now is can you build a relationship with your brand and your reader? And if you extract from that a you have a certain tone and a voice that people love and you cover stories in a certain way that is equally important to actually having the person behind it and them being known and they're similarly strong in terms of the bonds that you can build so i think that those relationships are really what outlets should be looking at looking to build it's amazing i remember i, I used to love it for the vancouver sun her name is jillian shaw and she was the tech reporter and i i, I read every article she ever wrote and then when she left, I was like, why, why did she leave? Because they were saying that, you know, that post media couldn't afford, you know, all these reporters that she was yeah. part of the first kind of let go of the reporters. 
and um, you know, first of many waves. But I remember thinking, well, what if they made her an influencer? Because then I, on the flip side, I see all these like tech influencers, and if they had just seen her as a tech influencer who happens to be a reporter, they could have kept her. I think they could have monetized her her impact. Well, and look, you're seeing it now. The New York Times has done a particularly good job at that. They've been able to attract really top talent from other publications and build a subscription base off of them. You can see this with Kara Swisher, who's at the New York Times now. You know, Ben Smith from BuzzFeed, who was you know briefly there, now left, but he was there for a bit as well. Yeah. You know, Taylor Lorenz, who, again, she left to the Washington Post, but they really built a, a took her brand, applied it to the overall New York Times product. And then I'm sure they grew their subscriptions because there were people who wanted to read Taylor Lorenz. And so, you know, you're seeing a lot more of that now but yeah okay look i look at some canadian publications in particular and you know they're i think becoming too generic they're not building that relationship they're not creating a product that's unique enough that they have a, a true bond with their readers and i think part of it is that they can improve their personalities and bring in great talent but i think the other thing too is that they can really become uh build products that are unique and distinct for them yeah so so two personal questions where did you grow up what was kind of like elementary high school for you yeah, I grew up in, in Toronto on the West End in Etobicoke. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I, I spent most of my life in Toronto. And so okay. uh, I grew up in Toronto. I went to, to high school here. I went to university here. I went to the University of Toronto. I graduated. Uh, and then I was here for most of my life, except for a brief uh, three-month stint in Sydney, Australia. But otherwise, uh, yeah, I was here. And grad year for you? Oh, I graduated in 2013, believe it or not. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> if you remember, so, so growing up in Canada... We yeah. had, um, there were, you know, CBC, we had like the, the Log Riders Waltz, people might remember, or Degrassi High, right? People might remember Wheels, who yeah. went on to become, uh, he does some sort of music stuff now, but, you know, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. we will always remember him as Wheels, right? So yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. those that know, know. Um, but I need to talk to you about the Heritage Canada commercials, what we grew up with on TV, where it would say, you know, this moment brought to you by Heritage Canada. So that same institute, um, after being... Um, lobbied by the Magazine Association of Canada, finally, a year and a half ago, instituted the digital aid to publishers. So meaning before that, unless you were producing like a commercial or a large print publication, um, Heritage Canada said, hey, if you are a Canadian producing Canadian content, we're going to fund you. We're going to fund, and I don't know the, the math on it, but it's about 60% of your editorial costs because we want to keep good Canadians creating Canadian content. Um, and then they said they finally realized there's Canadian content out there, like publications that are only digital, So, which was very exciting. And so when they announced that, but um, you mentioned you, you haven't gotten the support yet from that, and, 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 but you're aware of it, I assume, or what's your relationship with them at the moment? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a, uh, a, among the media operator space, yeah. it can kind of be split into two ends of this. So there's, you know, one, obviously the big publishers that are very excited for this. And I think they'll get, you know, a, a big chunk of that will go to them. And obviously it'll be funded by Facebook and Google. And the justification is that they took a lot of the advertising revenue away from these publishers. They monetize their own advertising revenue through the content that was created by these publishers. And so that should, some of that should flow back. You know, I think the concern that I, along with other smaller publishers have is that we're just not in a part of the conversation. Nobody has talked to us. Uh, nobody that we have no industry association. And, you know, I think what that kind of leaves us is that if you are an independent or an alternative publication in this country, you have to find a way to build a sustainable business model without any government support. That's just 
core to, to your operations. And if you get government support, great. And that's how we look at it as well. You know, we get, I, 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 you know, we do get some grants for hiring that are just available to general businesses. But by and large, we haven't gotten any of this media money. And I'm not sure we will. And so I, I plan as if we won't. And if we do, you know, great. That's that's nice. It's a bonus. But if we don't, I, I we have a, a really sustainable uh, media operation that will be here for the long run. That's amazing. It's amazing. And, and you mentioned when you talk about, uh, you know, reporters with personality and, and Canadians kind of purpose of going intention, maybe non-intention, but to become quite generic. Do we have those Canadian personalities? And, and, and why do you think we don't have a ton? And, and what, what can we do about it? It's a great question. Look, I know we have those personalities. Yeah. Uh, there are just incredible people in this country doing great journalism. And, uh, uh, you know, we just haven't empowered them, I think, is probably the, the biggest issue in that the publications, the big publications in Canada, they're not set up to empower them. They're not set up to give them a platform so that they can define themselves and build their own brands. And I, I do feel like that's a failure on the parts of the Toronto Stars, the Globe and Mails, the National Posts, and it's something that they could correct for. The New York Times did. I think that's you know obviously the, obviously the gold standard in media and, and traditional publishers is how the New York Times went from being you know a print a dying print publication to now an extremely successful digital publication. Uh, but you know for whatever reason they've really the Canadian publishers have really struggled to make that transition, and I'm not sure why because we really do have some great voices in this country. Yeah, and I think I, I see these these kind of we'll call it. Um, you know, you got stars that pop up, right? Like like Jesse Brown, right? Canada, Land, sure. right? Like, and again, it, it, it may not be everyone's flavor. Is you know, not my flavor of tea or whatever. But you know, yeah. some you know, he's got a personality. He's got his 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 kind of purpose and kind of slant. Um, but outside of, within the marketing world, everyone loves like the the prof Scott Galloway, right? It's always yep. like Scott Galloway's coded Seth Godin. Um, you know, once in a while we, we talk about, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, but again, he's since moved to the U.S., of course, but, but he is yeah. our good kid. But again, he's not intentionally marketing. But it seems like even our professors, and maybe it is our Canadian humility or our Canadian um, timidness, right, whatever word you want to use, that we will do good work, we'll do reportive stuff, but we're not as, we're not as prone to the celebrity culture. And we let America do that, and we just follow those Americans. Maybe that's part of the... Yeah, maybe it's that. It's also scale. You know, it's just yeah. a smaller country. And so it's tougher to, to get the same type of reach that a Scott Galloway might be able to get yeah. when they're catering to an American or an international audience, if you're Canadian only. So I think that's that's one challenge. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really is hard to explain. I, I really put the blame, though, on institutions. Uh, I just don't think our institutions are supportive enough of that type of model, and it's yeah. holding them back, and it's holding the talent back, too. Look, I know firsthand that there are just some great personalities and uh, journalists in these organizations that are just not given the resources they need to really yeah. break out, like you see in the U.S., and to the point where those like a Jesse Brown might hit a ceiling and they might just end up going and doing their own thing. And I think that could happen. And you're going to see a lot more of that happen over time. Yeah. Uh, Amber Mack, I follow her actually. So again, I don't even if she'd call herself a reporter, but her newsletter is great. Totally. Um, but she's like speaker slash host slash tech journalist slash, you know, I don't, she's kind of like a Renaissance woman of sorts. So, um, no, it's it's fascinating, and then and then for you, kind of the the e newsletter. What I want to find, like fifty percent open rate, is incredible. Whether that's B two C or B two B, you know, it blows Mailchimp's kind of like, hey, here's what the industry standards are. What do you think it is? Again, not to give away your secret sauce. I'm not asking you for your white spot triple O sauce recipe. It's what do you think it is? There's really no secret here. Okay, uh, you know, we we 
so I'll just be entirely transparent. Yeah. You know, we saw what was happening in the U.S. We saw the types of formats that were doing really well there. And we simply wanted to take those, import them, and put a Canadian spin on it. And I think that's what we initially did, which was successful. And then now, through hiring just a great editorial team, we've got a great editor, Sarah Bartnika, and we've got a great writer with Quinn Henderson. They've been able to put their own flair on it, add their own flavor to that format that we adopted from the U.S., and it's just become a product that our readers love. And import, most importantly, above all, is that you know we take feedback really seriously. And so we'll try things in the newsletter that people don't like, and we'll change it back. We'll try new things that people love, and we'll double down on those. But having that constant conversation with our readers, plus just having a great uh, team that took a format that we knew worked, that's really the secret sauce. Uh, and it's not all that secret. And I know I'll say it's, it's harder to actually execute on a daily basis, but I, you know, it's uh, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not crazy. It's something that anyone can do. Okay, and, and when we those that have yet to discover the peak, right? Like those that are listening and and reading this or watching this, when you think of the peak and you think of it like a salad, right, or a sandwich, whatever analogy you prefer, whatever way you're leading these days, um, what percentage or portion of it would be like listicles? versus kind of uh, op-eds that you get from other people versus kind of deep research pieces? How, how would you say your salad is, is mixed these days? Yeah, so the primary content is, and this is our mission, which is, yeah. you know, we're, we're trying to make modern business leaders smarter, faster on what matters with fun and engaging content. And yeah. so, you know, we take a look at the biggest stories of the day, things that you would want to tell a friend about. That's kind yeah. of the lens we put on. Yeah. Uh, we'll take those stories and then instead of writing them in the longer form, jargony, more boring style that you're probably used to in the Wall Street Journal or another publication, we try to unpack those, make them accessible by breaking them down to exactly what you need to know. Uh, and uh, we use a format that is really easy to read on mobile in an, in an email. Uh, and we try to put some, have some fun with it too. We infuse some humor. Uh, we use language that you can understand. We really try to make business news accessible. And so that's primarily what our content is, is we usually take three of those stories uh, that we cover each day. We've got some stories that we think are also really important that we have in our big picture section. Uh, and we kind of cover those in two sentences. Uh, and then we have some fun with it. We have some uh, by the numbers section where we take kind of quantitative stories and we just kind of focus on what numbers you need to know about that are kind of interesting and unique that you may not have heard about uh and then we have our peak pick section which is uh just fun stuff that we found on the internet and so you know yesterday we, we included a peak pick link about why some provinces in canada have backed milk and others don't and it's just stuff like that that we just see that's that's fun that's amazing uh, just in the role that you play what's been kind of the best surprises maybe over this last uh, year maybe it like a like a, a reader you didn't know was a fan and they wrote you to say thank you or just something that surprised you about business in Canada that that would be uh, you know kind of keeps you up at night or, or or you think about it and it's like oh wow that was crazy well Darren I'm, I'm sure you probably feel the same way I'm surprised that this works I'm surprised that people wanted to read this. I'm surprised that people read it every day. I'm surprised that we've been able to get the numbers that we get. It's all, I'm surprised that people want to buy ads. The whole thing is surprising to me in a very pleasant way. And I couldn't be happier and more excited about working on this, but that's all been surprising. And then, you know, once in a while, we'll get someone who subscribes. You know, yesterday we got a, a fairly prominent politician and I was just taken aback by it for a second. Like the fact that there are really important people in this country that trust us to get their business news is just an incredible feeling. And the fact that, you know, we can build a, a lasting media brand that can make people smarter and help people invest better and just be more aware of what's going on in the world, which I think is really important. 
just all of that. It's such an honor and it's been such a surprise to me. Um, and you know, it, it, like I said, I'll, a lot of that goes to our team, which is surprising in itself that these people want to come and work for us. And we've been able to create a great team together. That's all been a surprise to me. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised every day is my point, Darian. I, I'm just surprised awesome. by the whole thing. It's amazing. <laughs> and, and to jump into kind of like the, the details of it, if you don't mind, but like if someone is listening to this and inspired and they want to start this for like kind of like cat sweater community, right, of Canada yeah. or, of, or of North America, um, what do you recommend if someone wants to get this started? Like, should they go into Mailchimp? Should they use one of those softwares that actually monetize e-newsletters right away? Like, what, what do you what do you recommend? Yeah, we started out with something called Campaign Monitor. It was probably yeah. a bit more technical than we actually needed. Uh, and so, if you're just starting out, I'd recommend something called Beehive. B e e h i i v. It's like Substack. If you've heard of that, super yeah. easy to use, yeah. uh, and you can kind of customize it, and make it your own. And then, yeah, I just say get started. Get started, yeah. share it with friends. And one thing I would recommend is set up some little wins for you along the way. You know, when you get to 100 subscribers, that means you're onto something. If, you yeah. know, 100, if you're getting a 50% open rate, that means you're really onto something. Can you get to 1,000 subscribers? And again, you're onto something. And, and set up those wins so that you have something to look forward to every single time. And I think that's the, the best way to get going. It's amazing. And from you, from day one, did you say, hey, to get an access to this e-newsletter, you got to pay to play. Like you got to pay to get in here. So, or when did you come the day when you said it's free, but now you got to pay? Yeah. So look, from day one, we just looked at uh, our contemporaries in the U.S. and what they were doing, and we wanted to kind of copy that model as much as possible. And and really, there was no shame in us copying it uh, because it worked so well. And all we wanted to do was cover Canadian stories. And so we were we were happy to do that. Uh, and they, from day one, were free, all ad-supported. And I thought that was our best model because really what we wanted to get to was scale. You know, we yeah. want to reach over 100,000 Canadians yeah. every day. Yeah. And uh, we don't want any barriers to be in front of that. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think people... And by the way, I think it's important to pay for news. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it is a barrier for many people that we didn't want to have up. Yeah, that is that is awesome. Um, so we look at uh, again not to but Canada Land when they started kind of Fresh Books was their first supporter, and then Squarespace back in the day when they're all over podcasts. Who give want to give a shout out to maybe some of your early uh, sponsor supporters because I think they deserve a, a huge shout out for, for totally yeah and. and- they, they took a, a big risk. You know, like yeah. anybody who's selling something to an early customer is always taking a big risk on you. And so Policy Me, which is a life insurance startup, you know, they took a, they took a risk on us early on. Lighthouse Labs, Willful. Nice. These were all companies that, you know, really had no reason to think that we could be a good channel for them, but they were still happy to, to take that risk. That is amazing. Did you say Policy Genius was the first one? Policy Me. Policy Me. Okay, okay. I get all these Policy Genius ads on my, yeah. my kids have this podcast called Circle Round. It's amazing. It's like these really beautifully produced stories for kids, but also for adults because they take like traditional stories, but then they get like famous actors to do the voices. Um, cool. And it's always it's always policy genius. But always, the problem is, okay, here's my take. As a Canadian, yeah. I don't think whatever ad system they're using is still, they're just running the same ad for everyone, right? And, and so they're not actually using programmatic because they, you know, I'm at a Canadian phone. They should be running a Canadian pro. Like, for example, I actually fell in love with Chef's Plate because of Malcolm Gladwell's promotion of Blue Apron, which is so funny because when I Googled Blue Apron, I was like, oh, oh, Chef's Plate is our Canadian version. So yeah. for you, what, um, what platform do you use? Like, is it Red Circle, Anchor, and, and how do you run your ads on there? Yeah, so uh, about three months into doing the Peak Daily, we yeah. got approached by Chorus, uh, yes, and they were interested yeah. in adding us to their Curious Cats a, podcast network. That's and amazing. Then, 
Yeah, it's been it's been great so far, and they've been just an excellent partner. Uh, and so we went through that kind of process with them. Ultimately, we signed on, and so we're on their platform. They use something yes. called Omni, and yes. they have they do dynamic advertising, yes. so yeah. dynamic programmatic. And so you know, if you're not, you'll get a different ad depending on when you're listening or who you are, and and, and they manage all of that on the back end. Uh, and I'm I'm yeah, I'm surprised not more. I'm surprised if you're uh, not as many podcasts use that just because it is such a, an effective yeah. tool. Totally, yeah, and I, 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 we're living in such a wild time. Like, I feel like it is the hosting wars. Like back, because we were, you know, ran, started the podcast about eight years ago, and back then it was like SoundCloud, right? And it would put it on the Apple Podcast, and that was it. That was like amazing, yeah. and a few other kind of like more Android web-based folks as well. Kind of, you know, it would whatever uh, syndicate it. But then when Anchor launched, it was like the no-brainer. The problem though, as a Canadian, Anchor just didn't have the robust ad monetization systems. Um, so Spotify bought it. They've been updating it. But then so we finally switched over to Red Circle because okay. they uh, it's totally free. But then they allow you to do programmatic because on Anchor, we were literally when we got our first sponsor, we had a baked in voice. You know, so everyone even like our sponsors now, actually, if you go back to an episode from two years ago, you'll still have that baked in ad. So Canada Post, they will forever be on you know a pre-roll for a bunch of our episodes. Well, and Spotify then bought Megaphone, yes. another podcast publisher, and that was supposed to be their more enterprise-oriented yes. one that can do all the different programmatic stuff. Um, but they haven't made that; it's not open to the public. Like you have to get invited there. Yes. yes. Um, but yeah, that is that's their alternative as well. Yeah. So I've been, um, you, you know, the, the the sound that comes at the beginning of Malcolm's podcast, right? It's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sing it. Do you know it? Do you know the the what is it? What is he calling it? It's on top of my, it's the tip of my tongue, is his podcast production company. Uh, oh, yeah, I forget, but uh, yeah, 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 I know yeah. what you're talking well, about. It'll come to yeah. us during the show. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I remember, I t- so I talked to Megaphone, and, and they asked me, they said, Daring, do you think you could find, because right now there's about 30 Indigenous-owned podcasts that are independent across Canada, and right. for June coming up, they're like, hey, do you think we could somehow get them all to come under one production name? So instead of someone going out like a TD, and buying yeah. pre-roll from each of these individual 30 podcasts, we could have one place they could go to and get pre-roll on all these indigenous shows. Um, but again, it's it's a lot of work to try to like convince people to come under an umbrella. And like the fact that Malcolm, like he's been going bit by bit by bit, and then you really have to use your most popular shows to promote your other shows. And then you have this like family of shows. And so I just think that's that's a large undertaking for someone to then make a, a, a family of podcasts. Thankfully you are part of a family though, which is pretty cool. The chorus family. Yeah, it's been it's been great. And you know, yeah. they obviously have reach with their radio yeah. properties and their T V properties and and you know they've been really helpful in getting us on some of those. Uh, and so our growth under them has been great and Amazing. you know, I think you know firsthand, but growing a podcast it's the toughest channel to grow, in my opinion. I, and you know, we've, I've, I've tried to grow a number of different properties. But yeah. Podcasts is, is truly the toughest because you have no attribution. It can come in from anywhere, and it's hard to pin down what actually moved the needle for you. So it's hard to focus on a certain channel. Yeah. No. And 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 thus the the, the it gets gotten better. But like communicating to our advertisers, like Canada Post or Hootsuite and other folks, would be like, Hey, how did, you know, how are we doing? Or how many? Right. So we we have like the chartable. And there's some decent stats we get from Red Circle totally. now, which is which is really nice. But I think for me, it's always been like, hey, if we do a like a code in the you know link in the show notes, even then I never clink the link in the show notes. Like I actually became a you know whatever a Chef's Plate subscriber thanks to Malcolm. There's no attribution to that, exactly. right? Because <laughs> it was Blue Plate. 
But I think there's always that lift we find that is what we're trying to encourage our, our partners to do. And it seems to be like out of home or radio, which again, is very hard to attribute, but you try to look at the overall lift we're finding. Yeah. That's right, and, yeah. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um on that for you as far as like chorus is handling that and but as far as how have you put ads in your e-newsletter is it advertorial is it a very blatant ad how can people yeah you know again this is uh, this is nothing new we took a lot of this from people who had had done this in the u.s but you know we knew from day one that we wanted the email to be just the best possible product and to do that you can't have disruptive or spammy looking advertising. If you do want to incorporate advertising in, it has to be native to that product. It has to be in the same tone and format and voice as the rest of the newsletter. And so while that's a bit more work on our end, we think it's well worth it and increases the effectiveness of our advertising. So what we did was uh, we brought on some copywriters and then we work with a partner now. We just take their messaging. We try to put that unique peak spin on it that we know our audience loves so much. And uh, and then we send it back to them and we do a round of revisions. We do a few rounds of revisions and then ultimately we publish it. And we think it just creates a better product overall. That's incredible. I have a good friend, Vancouver Island, Nanaimo, Todd Maffin. And we had a chat where he... Some of his monetization he has has been affiliate codes. So he, he actually, but he's great about it because he's like, I actually love these products. I use them for my sure. agency. But when he talks about it, it links to this website that, that people can subscribe to, uh, AppSumo. And if they're yeah. a new subscriber to AppSumo, he gets, it's quite a generous you know, return to him. If they're an existing AppSumo, they still get some return. But he, it's been wild to watch him because I find it so fascinating because he's an old radio guy who became a digital marketer, who is now just going all in with a podcast and his e-newsletter. Um, but here's my frustration. I want to talk about this. Heritage Canada, yeah. the digital aid to publishers. By the way, I, I, I filled it out. It was a three-page application. One of the yeah. questions was, please screenshot your Google Analytics and send that to us. Like that was, it was, I think they're learning about digital. Um, but they don't recognize podcasts as a, as a, as a form of media or e-newsletters, well, which you, blows I, my you know, mind. Not- I don't want to get too political on the no, podcast, no, of course. but you know, we've, I, I will say this is that 
you know, the negotiations that th we, we have yet to see the actual details of what this all will look like uh, yeah. when it's when they actually start to issue many of the grants uh, uh, out to publishers. But much of the negotiations around the details of what this will look like have been done behind closed doors. Yeah. And it's been mostly the larger publishers who've had the resources to actually drive these conversations that will likely get uh, the majority of the funding. And, you know, they're if you look at it from that lens, it's 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 tough because podcasts, newsletters, you know, I, I think even social platforms, it, it just they're not even in the conversation right now. It's really legacy publishers that they're focused on. And I think it's a real loss because some of the most dynamic and interesting and diverse content is being created on these channels. You know, um, Brandon Gomez in Toronto, he's got a great YouTube channel that's getting a lot of popularity. And, and you know, he's a black creator himself. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's it, this is these are this is where the most interesting voices are going. But it just it's not designed to accommodate for them. And I think that's I think that's sad. Yeah. And there's a it, wildly like there's actually a news show, the most popular news show on Twitch is done by Canadians, which I find fascinating. And and they're using Twitch yeah. to, to do their news show. And I'm like, and then they're interacting with people during a live news show. And they and like, it's, it's, I'm blown away. And and the podcast, I still, there's, but this is anecdotal. So I, my wife will still tell me stories from podcasts she listened to in the day. Or we're driving from a, you know, we're 45 minutes outside downtown Vancouver. We'll put on a couple podcast shows and kind of like time it accordingly. So I, um, I see the influence, I see the power and the ways that it's reaching. And, and maybe it is. It's almost like it'd be neat to go back in time and to be in a fly in a wall when radio first got introduced to the world. And people are all like, oh, radio schmadio, we're, we're advertising over here. It's all about billboards and flyers, right? And, and then radio became its thing. And, and maybe it's okay that we're going to have different seasons. And, um, and the good radio shows, which I find great, have gotten smart and been like, okay, I'm going to embrace podcasts versus I'm totally. going to be a critic because they, they've kind of gone one way or the other, I find. I find it's almost black or white. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, podcasts, it's just a great, and this is not what we really do with our podcast. I think it's more kind of what you do and others do. It's just a great storytelling platform. Yeah. You know, it's it's in a world in which, uh, uh, media is so quick. And I think that, you know, we're, we're part of that as well. I think there's a, a, a role for that type of media. It's incredible that we have, you know, multi-hour long podcasts that people listen through and can really dive deep into stories that otherwise they might have just skimmed through. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's actually, I think, a very, very important platform and should be supported as much as possible. Yeah. I remember, um, again, people have made memes of it and stuff, but it's like, you know, Jen, whatever, whatever letter you want to throw in there, it gets criticized for not having a long attention span. But then the argument back is like, yeah, but look at this video, you know, that was watched for two hours. Look at this content piece, like, uh, you know, look at this podcast that's this long. It's, it's not about a low attention span. It's that they want the right stuff. They're, they're yeah, more critical. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it doesn't, uh, regardless of what you think of them, the number one podcast in Canada is consistently Joe Rogan. And those Joe Rogan podcasts are, four hours long yes, yes. and people listen through the whole thing i i personally don't but i know people do because it's the number one podcast in canada and i think that's just evidence that there is demand for longer form content if you just can create it make it so engaging that people want to listen i think that's just a a big challenge that a lot of a lot of legacy brands run into is they just don't focus enough on how do we create that type of product native to that platform uh, and they, they've really struggled to make that transition. Yeah. Hey, do you remember that video? And I, it, it, name escapes me, but it was, um, 
it was like a, a long video, and, and I want to say it was uh, Tom Shoes or not Tentry, but someone in the U.S. put out a video, and it was like almost like a two-hour-long video about child soldiers and the issue with child soldiers. It was the Coney 2012. Yes. I'll never forget it. It okay. was like the, it was a phenomena. Yes. And it was the longest video. And so that was the, when that first came out, it was like, well, and it was all these young people watching it. And they're like, well, they'll watch it because it matters and it's important. What I find so fascinating about that is it was, it was truly a time in history when that happened. And we haven't actually seen much like it since. That was truly, it was a, you're right. It was like an hour and a half long video. People, actually, that's not true. I think it was shorter, but it was long. It wasn't like short, short. It was long and it was detailed and people yeah. watched the whole thing and were so inspired by it yes. that they were motivated to take action. They were oh, yeah. lobbying oh, yeah. on behalf of, uh, you know, against uh, uh, Kony in, in yeah. Uganda. And they were coming out in the streets and putting posters up and yeah. doing all of this stuff that I thought was incredible. And we just, to be honest with you, we haven't seen anything like that in a really long time. Not, I'm not even sure we have we, since then. Yeah, yeah, Invisible Children. Yeah, and, and there was times too, like, like Charity Water kind of w grew exactly. on the wave of Facebook. Yeah. Um, Sevenly, if you remember that, the, the $7 from every shirt went to that charity each week. And But we, yeah, as far as like, phenomenon or movement or or rapid growth maybe you know, all the algorithms have been squashed down so unless you're willing to pay yeah i think it's i think you're probably right that it's just the media landscape has become so fractured that you can't have anything that dominates among everyone like i think that's kind of gone away you know especially with tiktok it's so personalized now that to find content that will really span that many people to create that type of energy and movement, I think is just really tough these days. Wow. Uh, for you, going forward, what's maybe like a story or maybe kind of a, an article that you really are excited about writing? Or is it does that even exist because it's more, it changes every day? Yeah, look, I think thematically, there's just a lot of really interesting stuff going on in Canadian global business right now that I think is really important. And mm. the more we can explain those stories in a way that people will understand and actually want to read, I think the better. You know, inflation's obviously one that people are experiencing every single day. The cost of housing is, is something that's really top of mind for a lot of people, especially of our generation. And you know, the fact that we have the opportunity to then take those stories and explain them to people so that they're educated on what's going on and can then go and actually make decisions that might help reduce the cost of living in this country one way or the other, I think is ultimately where we want to go. I don't want, I, you know, we never want to push people in a certain direction, but, you know, if they're aware of the issue, they're educated on what it means to them and, and potential solutions to fix it, then they're better equipped to go to the ballot box and actually make those types of decisions. And we're never going to tell them where to go, but at least they'll have that information available to them. So question, when you hit 100k subscribers, what's happening? What's the party look like? That's a great, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because we're, we're well on our way. Uh, you know, come, uh, we're hoping to have it done by the end of summer. And so we're really pushing towards that now. Uh, and I've promised a really big party. Darren, you'll have to come out to Toronto for it. Uh, but we're going to have a really big party. Okay. Uh, and I no further plans beyond that. Just a really big party yeah. is all I have thought up. <laughs> so my, my <laughs> this sounds, I always love, like, we, website launch parties. I always make the joke because the, the office reference, when they had, like, everyone, you know, Scranton and all of the, the branches, yeah. Zoom, and they all are eating sushi. And it's like, that's, yeah, a good website launch party doesn't happen that often. And, and to celebrate an e-newsletter getting that big is massive. Like, that's something worth celebrating. 
Well, look, and what I think is so cool about what we do is that it truly is a team effort. I tell them that, yeah. you know, there's there's yeah. kind of a flywheel that we've created, which is, you know, growth helps us get more subscribers and they read the newsletter, hopefully on, you know, a, a pretty regular basis. Now it's our editorial team that has to make that newsletter really good, good enough that they want to stick with us and continue to read it. Uh, and then we also put advertising in that and we sell advertising uh, that then allows us to fund that growth further. And, you know, that's the kind of flywheel uh, that uh, that comes through. And yeah, so it's a true team effort. And uh, I, like, I couldn't be prouder of what the, the team is working on right now. And I think we will hit that by the end of summer. Okay, I'm gonna. And again, you may not know this. May not be in your, uh, you know, wheelhouse of knowledge. But but let's just try. It. I'm gonna I'm gonna test you here. So yeah. there's a B2B business listening to the show right now, and saying, yeah. man, I want to talk to seventy thousand business owners, business leaders across Canada. What what's the rate to like sponsor a newsletter? What how can they get started as a, a paid advertiser? And maybe they also heard this and said, hey, I just want to support what they're doing as well. Well, yeah. Look, I appreciate that, and it's. You know, it's interesting when we first started the peak, we kind of knew this intuitively, but we really learned it as we were building the business, which is that B2B advertisers, they just don't actually have a lot of channels available to them. They've got kind of LinkedIn, LinkedIn's their primary channel, and that's really, really expensive. We know it firsthand. So uh, yeah, like we have multiple different placements in the newsletter. Our primary placements uh, start at $3,000, and that's 150 words of copy. And uh, then they go down kind of in price based on how far, far down you want to go in the newsletter. But they all get great engagement. You know, 80% of our partners, they renew so for the long term. Uh, and so we've been uh, we've been really fortunate and, and had some great partners that we've worked with. And we think we just have one of the best B2B channels in, in Canada. That's that's amazing. Okay, so three thousand dollars, and then it's a, 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 a kind of two lines or whatever of text, and then maybe a link back to the person's website or. Yeah, you get a, a full hundred and fifty words of copy, and so you can really tell a story about. Yeah. Uh, you know, what your product is, how it can benefit your customers. You can tailor that messaging to exactly who you want to get in front of. And we've got uh, B2B partners of ours who are super niche. I'll give you an example. We worked with SecureFrame. Uh, they do SOC 2 compliance. It's a super niche thing, but businesses need it in order to sell their products into the US, their, their software products into the US. They had a great result with us. They weren't getting thousands of clicks, but they were getting a hundred of the right clicks that they were then able to convert down their funnel. And that's what we're we're really good at. That's amazing. Now, do you know again? Do you know every story you've done? But have you have you guys covered the CDAP announcement, the four billion dollar grant for for businesses across Canada? I no, we have not covered that. But okay. I, I I'm I'm interested. Okay. So I, it, on that stuff. So if someone has an idea or a pitch, what's the best way for someone to send you a pitch? Is it like again? This is great for actually all the PR folks listening to be like, how do you? communicate well and responsibly and respectfully to those at the peak. Yeah, look, we're always looking for great Canadian stories and we do get pitches and many of them we produce, we turn into to stories because, you know, again, I, I think there's uh, a lot of PR professionals out there that are really good at what they do and, and they're good at spotting those stories and then framing them in an, a format that really makes sense for our newsletter. So uh, yeah, if you send an email to pitch at readthepeak.com, we've got one set up. It pings our, our Slack channel. We all see it. And our editor, Sarah Barnica, she goes through it every day. And uh, and yeah, and, we, and many of those we do turn into stories. So yeah, feel free to email us anything there. Uh, we're always on the hunt for great Canadian stories. And I think there's, we, well, we know there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, three weeks ago, and this is for all the listeners, um, the federal government announced $4 billion into what's called CDAP, Canadian Digital Adoption cool. Plan. So two streams. Uh, but the one stream that's so great is that you literally fill out a 20-minute survey. It's not even an application, which, again, is pretty cool. Um, 
And within a few days, you learn that you can get 90% of a $15,000 digital assessment uh, strategy workflow by one of their approved advisors. Then wow. you get $7,300 to hire a student to implement it. Then you get a $100,000 interest-free loan from BDC. And, and the feds are, are excited to give this out, and they're making it as accessible and as easy as possible. I'm going to look into this right after. No, no it's uh, crazy. Right after we're done. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because part of me is like, I always hear about these grants and it's like, oh, I got to jump through this hoop and I got to send them a blood sample or whatever they ask you to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. But this is literally the easiest thing I've ever seen. And it's, again, I actually, it was this morning. I was, I was reading about all like, you know, recessions coming and this is coming. But part of me is like, I wonder, again, maybe this is me being too optimistic. I wonder if this might actually help enough businesses that we can get us through the next few years. So. I hope so. And, 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 you know, that's like we were talking about kind of the, the media funding from the government. I think this is exactly the way it should be, which mm. is, you know, accessible, yes. uh, low barriers to entry, help yes. lots of people. And look, I, I'm not naive. I think some of it will go to waste, but I think a lot of it will produce a lot of good. And that's really what we should be focused on. That's awesome. Brett, are you ready for the rapid fire? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Uh, what was your first ever job? Uh, I was a ski patroller. Uh, for Toronto Parks and Recreation, uh, there is a hill down the street from me that was made of garbage uh, that they turned into a like a three trail uh, ski hill, and because it decomposed, and then I was uh, responsible for patrolling it and making sure people didn't, didn't get hurt. Amazing, amazing. Um, night owl or early bird? Uh, night owl. Cat or dog person? Um, dog. Okay. What was the first thing that you wrote about that mattered? Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't feel like anything I write matters. Uh, but I, I, I'd say, look, I think in the end, the, the first newsletter we put together was probably the most important thing that I ever wrote. And so probably that. Amazing. Uh, dark or milk chocolate? Uh, milk chocolate. Okay. What's your favorite word right now? Um, intensity. Nice. Uh, last charity you supported financially or with your time and why? Uh, War Child Canada, uh, I just think they're a, a great organization that does really important work uh, around the world. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really proud to support them as much as I can. Uh, what's a movie that you just love you could watch over and over again? Um, La La Land. Yeah, nice. Uh, favorite song or album on repeat right now? Uh, it would be Fair Trade by Drake. Nice. Um, good old wheels. Um, if you weren't doing this job, say in another multiverse, um, what would you be doing with your life? I, I'd be working in progressive politics. Uh, what's an app on your phone you just can't live without? TikTok. Nice. Uh, favorite children's book? Um, <laughs> uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Nice. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's not a safe lion. And I love that. Yeah. Love that line there. Yeah. <laughs> um, best thing you ever bought for under ten dollars. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you know, it, it, with inflation these days, Darian. Uh, yeah. Ten dollars yeah. <laughs> doesn't go as far as it used to. Yeah. Um, you know, wow, that's a a tough one. Um, you know, I, I'll say I, I buy it consistently. Tangerines, I love that are under ten. <laughs> they're under yes. ten dollars. That's good. It, it gives you a breath of summer and wintry days. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what's the most important thing you ever changed your mind about? Uh, my politics. 
you know, I, I had very different politics before, and then I, I made a pretty dramatic shift, and uh, I'm much happier and more comfortable with where I sit these days. Okay. Uh, if it, quickly, if people read the peak enough, do they do they see? Do you guys have a slant one way or the other? One, you... No, we we go yeah. out of our way uh, yeah. to make it as neutral as possible. Yeah. We we never want to influence people's minds politically one way or the other. And yeah. I think that's what people one of the things people like about us, and so we take that really seriously. Uh, business or marketing book you'd recommend to listeners? Um, yeah, great question. Uh, I just wrote a book. You know, I just wrote a book called "The Score Takes Care of Itself" by mm. Coach Bill Walsh, who was yeah. the coach of the San Francisco 49ers uh, and uh, won, I think, five Super Bowls. And it's just a great book on leadership. Uh, and I thought he has a, a great philosophy, which uh, you can apply to to a, a lot of businesses. It's amazing. And outside of the peak that everyone should subscribe to, and we're going to put a link uh, in the chat and, and people can find it. Uh, not in the chat, but in the notes here. Uh, what's a podcast that you'd recommend? Yeah, um, I listen to a lot of My First Million, yeah. which is a business podcast. It's great. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I think for, it's very casual listening yeah. for me. Yeah. And so it's, it's fun just to kind of hear about different ideas and, and explore those. No, that's funny. I, I often get asked that question, I, and I actually don't have many work-related podcasts I listen to. It's like the great debaters with my 15-year-old, my little kids, it's the circle round, and then by the time I have a podcast I can listen to, but yeah, I, I, Malcolm Gladwell is my go-to, and I end up crying on most of his shows. So I actually have an issue, though, where if I'm driving and listening to a show, I have to be careful, because I sometimes have to pull over, because I can't see, because I'm crying, and I'm just like, ah! But uh, that's yeah. my point. You know, I, I remember listening to This American Life when I was growing oh. up and I, I had the same experience. You'd listen yeah. to some of those episodes and they were truly gut wrenching. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just the stories you can tell in these podcasts. It's incredible. Yeah. And they were the they were kind of the first to do it, yeah. uh, to do it on that that plat natively to that platform. But it, yeah, they're so good. Have you discovered yet the enhanced audiobook of the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe series? No, not yet. So, so C.S. Lewis, uh, John Grisham, his son, it intros them yeah. all, and it's and it's actors and sound effects, and it's glorious. We we, we listened to the whole series with my my kids growing up, and they still listen to it. It's amazing. Wow, yeah. incredible! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I'd love to hear that. Yeah, it's on Spotify now, and all that good stuff, and it's it's great because it's a great kind of driving thing, and it actually feels like the old days when you sat around the radio and listened to a show, and it's kind of cool. Cool. Um, Newsletter or website you recommend for resources, inspiration that you go to outside of the the peak, of course. <laughs> yeah, um, look, you know, I, I I'm not sure it says. Uh, I, actually, there's a, there's one I'm reading a lot these days. It's called the Milk Road, um, mm -hmm. and it's a crypto newsletter, um, nice. and it's the best crypt. And we actually have our own crypto newsletter that we do on the side, but okay. it is the best crypto newsletter. Okay. Uh, it's written really well it's fun yeah and it uh, you know these the, the writers of it they really know what they're talking about yeah. uh and uh yeah it gives gives me a lot of great uh investment insight that's that's incredible um life hack you'd be willing to share um yeah 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 like, you know i think to have a good life hack you have to feel like you're living a pretty good life which i do but um yeah you know i'd say uh i used I use a lot of templates for emails, uh, and I think that's been uh, a huge time saver. So any type of email that I'd have to write uh, multiple times, I have a template for, yeah. and I, I send that out. 
I, I actually, someone taught me that about six months ago within Gmail, like Google, you know, you, you, there's the drafts area and you can have pre-written. Yeah, yeah, that's genius. No, I love it. I was like, totally. why have I never known about this? So um, the secret's out, uh, which is great. Um, skills required for a new economy. So job skills that, that you look for and when you hire people in your, uh, your workplace. Yeah, I, I, look, I think uh, being a generalist is really important. Uh, and so, you know, being able to communicate well is probably the most important skill that you can have these days. Being able to uh, speak well uh, and being able to write well are probably the two most important skills that you can develop. And I, I think copywriting in particular is probably one that's underrated, but just exceptionally important and valuable to any company in any role. Can you recommend any copywriting schools or uh, education resources? Yeah, there's uh, there's a course that I took when I was younger called Copywriting Course, uh, okay. and it was with it used to be with two Ks. It was by this guy Neville Medora, okay. um, and he was he made this years ago, and I think he's still making money off it today. Uh, but it's it's a great course. It just gives you a full introduction yeah. to how to write for other people, which is ultimately what you're doing in copywriting. You're not writing for yourself, you're writing for other people. It's amazing. So when you have to say no to a job applicant, you can put a, a link to that there with a little affiliate link and you, that could be your your next <laughs> model there. Well, exactly. Writers are the, and that is kind of one of the big learnings of this business is writers are extremely hard to, to yeah. hire and to find. And so talented writers, I think really, you really do set yourself apart. And it's it's true for any industry or any role that you're in. Okay, Brett, uh, three things. Uh, let listeners know how to become a subscriber, how to advertise uh, with The Peak, and thirdly, where to find you online to follow you personally. Yeah, so uh, you can subscribe to The Peak at readthepeak.com. It takes five seconds. It's totally free. Uh, and if you want to advertise or if you want to get in touch with me, you can just email me, Brett, B-R-E-T-T, at readthepeak.com. Uh, and yeah, I'll get back to you. Amazing, amazing. And then you personally, where do you where do you hang out online in the, the, the world? Are you, we find you on... Uh, Twitter, Tw yeah, or... I'm on, I'm on Twitter, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Those are kind of my two main channels. Uh, yeah. You know, I think Darren, you can attest to the uh, the reach you can get on LinkedIn, and so LinkedIn's actually my preferred social network these days. Also, it's just not, it's a nicer place to be, yeah. which I also like about LinkedIn. I always leave LinkedIn feeling good, and that can't be said for every other social platform. No, and you know what I find fascinating. So, I, talking to Microsoft, who who acquired LinkedIn, they yeah. and you mentioned already, it's very expensive to advertise because. Microsoft does not see it as a monetization tool for advertising. They see it as an education resource. So because it's so bred, if you put out stuff that gets a lot of great comments or you put out videos or content that's native to the platform, you're not linking out, they love it. And so the algorithm peaks even more for you. Huh. Um, and so you know, if you want to advertise, they're like, sure, I guess you could advertise, but it's gonna, they know it's going to kind of you know, dirty up the platform. So they make it really hard to do it. So I find it fascinating with Microsoft because they're like, they've got Bing and, and, and ultimately, even if Microsoft was like, they make no money on LinkedIn, but they just promote Microsoft Office, they'll be fine. And so it's just, it was an interesting buy and even an interesting move now because that's why I'm like, it's been this sleeping giant for so long. I, and, and that everyone's kind of like, I remember Ryan Holmes wrote about it from Hootsuite and he just said like, you know, LinkedIn is the next channel to, to watch because it's been so unsullied with ads and spam and politics. I had no idea. That's awesome. But yeah. I, it makes a lot of sense to me. And yeah, I just like how how clean it is. That's yeah. the best part of LinkedIn. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Brett, thank you for being here. Real honor. No, thanks for having me. This was great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, make sure you check out The Peak. Subscribe. I am a subscriber 
personally, it's it's brilliant, it's inspiring, um, and a great Canadian piece. So again, Canadian perspective, Canadian lens. Heritage Canada, if you're listening, just send Brent a check. Just write a check. Just the peak. Um, mail it. You could deliver it. It's in Toronto. Drive out from Ottawa. They deserve it. And we need to keep uh, you know, supporting amazing publications like that. And advertisers that are B2B, uh, the peak. Great channel to uh, invest your advertising dollars. And at the very least, my, I, what I think is so neat is if your brand is associated as a supporter of said the peak, again, there's a, a, an extra level of trust and respect that happens to that brand, let alone the the you know click-throughs and the reach and all that great stuff. So um, again, shout out to The Peak. Uh, and Brett, thank you for, um, in a sense, uh, kind of, if you see like this gardener, you, you've, you've kind of nurtured it so well and protected it from, from bad things. So thank you for that. No, thank you, Darian. That was so kind. <laughs> thank you for joining us this week on Marketing News Canada, and we'll see you next week on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.